This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The book of Revelation tells us that in the end of time, there's going to be a gathering of the kings of the east. The kings of the east are going to march on Israel and are going to meet another foe there in the battle of the Jezreel Valley under Har Megiddo called Armageddon. Who are those parties going to be? Well, there is one nation of 1.3 billion people that has its eye on ruling the world. In fact, Xi Jinping has already declared He intends, and the Chinese intend to rule the world within about 25 years from now. That's their goal. Will they rule the world, and how would they accomplish such a thing? Is it possible that the free nations of the world are actually selling their souls in order to, shall we say, empower that nation to gain its dominion on the earth? You see, there is a battle for the king of the mountain. There is uh, that childhood game that we, many of us guys used to play, king of the mountain, king of the hill, is carrying on now in a geopolitical sense all over the world. Whether it's with Russia and Putin, who is envisioning now a recreation of a Russian empire, shall we say, or China, Xi Jinping, creating its own vision of a new world order, or whether it happens to be a recreated Ottoman Empire under Erdogan and his Turkish rule, or an Iranian world empire, all of these, you see, are in process as we speak. But today we focus on one in particular, and that is China. We know that China has had a vision now for quite some period of time to uh, gain dominion over the world militarily, technologically, financially, in every other way. And yet we wonder, as citizens of the United States of America or other places in the free world, how in the world that could possibly take place. Where Vladimir Lenin made a statement not long ago, well, some period of time ago, actually, he said the capitalists will sell us the rope with which to hang them. He was a communist. He set forth the Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution back there in 1917, and he said the capitalists will sell us the rope with which to hang them. Put it in other words, they will work on the preparation of their own suicide. Is that what we're doing here in America today? Is that what Justin Trudeau is doing there in Canada Are we actually conforming our world to the vision of the Chinese and, in fact, in a very surreptitious way, seeking to uh, usher in a Chinese thinking and ideology and viewpoint and government and business and so on, even into the Western world, thus compromising or threatening freedom as we know it? Our guest today, Peter Schweitzer, is going to speak to these issues in ways that perhaps 
neither you nor I could possibly understand because he has done the research. And research he has done, it's an amazing piece of work contained in his book, Red-Handed, Profiles in Corruption and Clinton Cash, dealing with how American elites get rich helping China win. Peter, it's good to have you on the program. Chuck, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad, glad to be here with you. Well, likewise. And uh, first of all, I'd like to know what actually prompted you. You've written many books. Uh, what prompted you to, uh, to dig into this mysterious subject? Well, I uh, became fascinated uh, and troubled by the fact that uh, Beijing, the Chinese Communist Party, who I distinguish from the Chinese people, by the way, right. uh, has engaged in all kinds of aggressive uh, behavior. Uh, there's genocide taking place within their borders. They're aggressively going after other countries. Uh, they are aggressively censoring people in the United States uh, and, and making all kinds of threats. Uh, and they have said, as you mentioned earlier, openly, that they want to seize the commanding heights and supplant the United States as the world superpower, and I just became surprised that there didn't seem to be much of a response from people in Washington, D.C., our leaders. They didn't but, seem and to... so you probed the reason why there was no response, and you yep. found the skulldudgerous, uh, behind-the-scenes infatuation uh, with our leaders and business uh, entrepreneurs and so on, government leaders and high-tech doing a playing footsie doing a dosi do with with the communist china in ways that we would never ever have believed yeah that's right and china has a strategy and a name for this they call it elite capture uh and it's really quite brilliant chuck because they know that they cannot match the united states's military mm -hmm. they know we have an incredibly dynamic economy they know that we have a, a a real appeal around the world to the ideas that we espouse. So rather than go toe-to-toe -to -toe -to -toe with us, they've decided that they're going to essentially decapitate us by buying off our leaders, giving sweetheart deals to our political leaders, to those on Wall Street and in Silicon Valley. And by doing so, uh, we have a leadership that is not attuned with the challenges that we threat and is prepared to look the other way, in some cases even help them in their competition against us. This is uh, not something new in the sense that we have known for some time. Our military leaders have actually warned us uh, concerning the efforts of uh, China, uh, Beijing, to uh, gain dominion over the planet. Their military now were, is said to be about 75% uh, of America's and as well as their economy. Uh, they're achieving... Uh, what they have hoped to achieve. Yeah, that's right. I mean, President Xi has been very open that he sees the central competition between China and the United States is over technology. Whoever masters technology wins what he calls the technological war is going to win the race between the superpowers. So he views this as a war. He's prepared to do what he can do. And what the problem is, Chuck, is that he's getting assistance from people in the United States. Some of America's biggest and most powerful companies like Microsoft and Google, for example, are sponsoring research in military laboratories in China that are known to be connected to the military. 
and they're subsidizing their research in artificial intelligence and other areas that are deep crucial to this race. So I have no doubt in a straight uh, front-to-front race between us and China, we would win the technological race. But the fact that many people in this country are subsidizing Beijing, helping them run faster, uh, we have to call that into doubt. And I honestly think we will lose this competition if trends continue the way they're going. Well, from the sale of the uh, Lincoln bedroom by Bill Clinton for financial contributions to his campaign uh, during his regime to Hunter Biden and uh, the Bidens now with regard to Ukraine and then China, uh, it seems that uh, having your hands uh, with the Chinese uh, has become almost a given. And we're going to look more deeply into this, uh, as you've exposed in your book, Red-Handed. Friends, you are definitely want to get a copy of this book. It will open your eyes. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Our special guest today, Peter Schweitzer, with his book, Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. And uh, the book is a $28, $29, $30 book, actually. Uh, My producer tells me I should offer it for $20 here on the program today, so I'm going to do just that. And uh, it will be on our website, saveus.org. You can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Monk 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, and we'll get red-handed in your hand, and hopefully your hand is not red-handed like uh, so many of our leaders. Peter, when you think about China, it leads me back into the 1970s with a fella, a Republican president by the name of Richard Nixon. Uh, Nixon had a vision for uh, giving China most favored nation status. He saw that China was a big deal in the future of uh, world economy, and he actually kind of facilitated, greased the skids for some of the nefarious deeds that we're seeing happen today, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. I mean, Nixon was really uh, obviously the president that opened up China, as it were, established diplomatic relations. The idea was they were going to be a counterweight to the Soviet Union. And that was really the genesis of this consensus we've had in American foreign policy under both Republican and Democrat administrations, whether it was George W. Bush or Bill Clinton. They were pushing the idea, Chuck, that if we just give and have open trade with China, We give them access to our capital markets, that is, ability to raise money on Wall Street and from banks. If we give them access to our technology, uh, they're going to start wearing blue jeans. They're going to start listening to uh, uh, Western ideas, and they're going to (laughs) become more like us. They're going to become more like us. So it was going to be the democratization of China. Correct. Correct. And let's be honest about it. That experiment, of course, massively failed. In fact, 
the government of President Xi has been in power since 2012, is far more repressive, far more aggressive, and far richer than any that we've ever faced. Uh, and they are now in a position to challenge the United States. So the problem is, Chuck, that our leadership class was completely wrong in what would happen if we made China richer. The problem is they all in some ways got rich pushing this flawed idea. And now we're all in the position of having to try to counteract it and deal with it before it's too late. I wouldn't uh, want to go too far with this, but as I hear you, as I've read your book, uh, what comes to my mind is an infamous name in American history, Benedict Arnold. Uh, Benedict Arnold was the consummate uh, a spy, a betrayer of the United States. And uh, it seems to me that what we're finding here and what you have translated in your book is monstrous financial betrayal of our country, virtually selling out the land of the free to Beijing for a buck. Yeah, I mean, you can look at what a lot of these uh, businessmen are doing, for example. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you've got tech companies like Microsoft and Google. You've got big Wall Street firms like Blackstone and others who are quite literally subsidizing the Chinese military. I'm not saying they're buying clothes or shoes or investing in shoe factories or clothing factories. They're actually investing in companies that are building up the Chinese military, which is positioning itself to challenge us. Um, so it's hard to uh, sugarcoat that in any way. They would, of course, deny it and claim, no, no, we're just trying to push closer relations between the two sides. But that is a very self-serving explanation because, of course, they're being paid very, very well uh, for the sorts of services that they're performing for Beijing. So this is a huge problem, Chuck. Part of it is the enticement of money. Part of it is we've seen a real erosion among our leaders where they identify themselves less as Americans and more as sort of global citizens, mm -hmm. that their job is to somehow manage global relations. They don't feel a particular allegiance to the United States, and that's, of course, reflected in the kinds of business decisions they make and who's benefiting from those business decisions. Well, it does, and uh, the whole concept of globalism uh, now has actually betrayed uh, our country. Uh, Donald Trump uh, was resisted dramatically because he said, we're going to make America great again. And that was a, despic a despicable notion uh, to the globalists, right. including all of those in Silicon Valley uh, and the Joe Bidens of the world and the Klaus Schwab's of the world. And uh, so Donald Trump had to be destroyed. He had to be defeated uh, because we were beyond the place of uh, America and American sovereignty and a blessed country. No, uh, now America had to be diminished in order to exalt a new global order that was in the process of being developed. The problem with that is that there are competitors for that new world order and it's not just the Western world through Klaus Schwab that wants to develop it, but it's also China and other nations as well. And I think we have not recognized that. That's why I book, wrote the book King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. And uh, it, it traces the history of this uh, battle for world domination 
among many nations and going all the way back, actually, to the Tower of Babel. Yeah, no, I think if you look at uh, what Donald Trump uh, did as president as relation to China, uh, he changed the debate and the conversation. Because up until Donald Trump, every president really since Nixon uh, has pushed the idea that uh, we want to help uh, China become stronger and wealthier because they will become more peaceful. The more they trade with us, the less they're going to go to war with us. And Mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, that's been proven to be a lie. And the one political leader who stood up and challenged that has been Donald Trump. Uh, Now, as I point out in the book, there are some Democrats in the Senate who've been pretty good on China. So we have to give credit where credit is due. But Mm -hmm. when you look at the presidential level, Trump has really changed the conversation in a good way. And we're now seeing what's going on. And what I've done in the book is to try to name names and give very specific evidence uh, to show the sorts of people that are making money and the favors that they are rendering to Beijing. Well, there's no way that we can get into the full depths of it, uh, but we can translate uh, at least on a a relatively superficial level. And so I'd like to read some quotes uh, from your chapter, Silicon Valley. In 2015, the CEOs of America's largest tech companies gathered at Microsoft's glass and steel headquarters just outside of Seattle. The leaders from Amazon, Airbnb, Apple, and Facebook were all present to welcome a very special guest, President Xi. The purpose of visiting Seattle first was to cultivate Beijing's relationship with America's tech titans. Days later, the venue was changed with an official state dinner at the White House. At least a couple of those same tech titans who had met Xi in Seattle were there again, too. Among them was Mark Zuckerberg, co-founder of Facebook and his wife. She also happened to be seven months pregnant, and when Zuckerberg finally got his chance to see the guest of honor face-to-face again, he made an unusual request. Would the communist dictator give his child his Chinese name? Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. It shows it, you it, where their heart is. Yes. And it shows the extent to which, you know, sucking up doesn't even do the word. Uh, it, it doesn't even do this justice. Uh, because it's one thing if a businessman is trying to sweet talk somebody for their benefit, but to actually take something like the naming of your child mm-hmm. and turn it over to a brutal dictator because of some kind of commercial benefit you're hoping to derive just shows to me how far gone a lot of these tech titans are when it comes into their relationship with China. Well, as the scripture says, the love of money is the root of all evil, and that's what we're seeing being played out. Silicon Valley's hat-tipping to Beijing has an even darker side. For decades, many of the biggest names in tech have made their fortunes thanks to the norms and values of the American system. All the while, they have actively collaborated with the Chinese regime, helping them better control their population. They have even assisted China's attempt to surpass the United States in military capabilities, and China, with the help from these Silicon Valley elites, hopes to become the world's number one power. As President Xi has said, science and technology is a national weapon. We should seize the commanding heights. That's battle talk, isn't it? It is. It is. This is not uh, 
just a friendly competition, a rivalry to see who's going to be first. Uh, they view it as a war, and they use war analogies and war-type language. And the problem is you have people like Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, investing in companies in China like BYD. Warren Buffett, you know, the famed investor, also took a stake in that company. That company, among other things, is developing uh, missile guidance systems. They're going to be used by the Chinese military. Well, where are those missiles going to be pointed? They're going to be pointed at the United States, and they're going to be pointed at American military forces. As I mentioned earlier, Google and uh, Microsoft are also supporting research at military-linked labs uh, in artificial intelligence. There was also a, a, an effort by Google and Facebook to fund a cable. They were going to link uh, electronically, Hong Kong with San Francisco. They started this in 2016. The project was only halted in 2019 when the FBI and the federal government said, no, you can't do this because it will give Beijing an unprecedented opportunity to spy on American citizens. Well, Google and Facebook knew that. They just didn't care. It was more important to them to have that project do done than it was to look out for the rights or liberties of the American people. So this, this is, is where the this is where, this is where the allegiance to globalism is actually becoming the engine of destruction for the greatest free country in the history of mankind. Yes, because the uh, many of these elites feel a closer bond, a closer allegiance with their foreign counterparts, meaning foreign elites, than they do with the average American citizen. Well, is and that true also for Joe Biden? I, I think it is absolutely true for Joe Biden. In what in way? The Biden case, well, in the Biden case, it's particularly troubling because, as I point out, the Biden family, uh, I think, is a prime example of elite capture. Uh, we went through and discovered that they'd secured some $31 million in deals from the Chinese government. Those deals were arranged by four businessmen, which I name in the book, and those four businessmen are all linked to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So this was not a series of random deals. Mm -hmm. This was a concerted effort at capture. The Bidens had to know this. They didn't care. Their, their personal financial fortunes, their first personal political fortunes, were more important to them than maintaining independence from Beijing. Now, you're talking about the Biden family. Uh, does that include Joe Biden or just Hunter Biden? No, it does. I, one of the revelations uh, in the book, and it's based on access to the Hunter Biden laptop and the email accounts of some of Hunter Biden's business partners, is that uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden have blurred finances. Um, there were plenty of examples of when Joe was vice president of the United States, Hunter was paying his monthly bills. He was also paying for things like renovations on the Biden home in Delaware. Hmm. Um, this is this is illegal. You're not allowed to do this. But where did Hunter Biden get those funds? Well, he's getting those funds from overseas deals, including China. So Joe Biden is a direct beneficiary of these deals. James Biden, his brother, got $2 million from these Chinese deals. Uh, this is not a Hunter Biden problem. This is a Biden family problem. Isn't this a test of uh, uh, laws and issues regarding national security? Absolutely it is. Uh, if you have a security clearance and you work in the Pentagon, uh, your family members better not be doing deals with uh, businessmen involved with a foreign intelligence service. 
But that's exactly what Hunter Biden did. And one of the problems we have is that politicians, uh, elected officials, appointed officials don't have the same standards applied to them that apply to a ordinary uh, mid-level person who works at the Pentagon. Uh, I believe that those laws should apply to them. They shouldn't look the other way. They shouldn't try to manipulate them to to make them go away. Those laws are there for a reason. And we're now in a situation where I think Joe Biden is uh, subject to elite capture uh, and he's compromised and we cannot trust him to make the basic national security decisions for us. Just like we couldn't trust him because of Hunter Biden's uh, uh, connections in Ukraine. Exactly. And this goes to the heart of it. It goes to the heart of wanting to profit from office And, you know, Hunter Biden, when he set up his businesses, he didn't go and do business in London or uh, Tokyo or Frankfurt, Germany. He went to the most corrupt regions of the world. He did deals with Russian oligarchs, Ukrainian oligarchs, and, of course, in China. And there's a reason for that. All right, we'll get to the reason when we get back from this break. Red-handed, my friends. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website saveus.org that's saveus.org also on chuck's website listen to chuck's viewpoint broadcast listen to the archives maybe you missed a program check it out at saveus.org also there are some great resources hospitality information also information about marriage divorce and remarriage newsletters articles prophecy Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. Today we're taking a look at China, uh, how Americans have been selling out, uh, in some sense, you might even say selling their soul for a Chinese buck. And uh, our guest today, Peter Schweitzer, is revealing Uh, how behind the scenes this has been taking place. Uh, He names the names. He shows the trajectory. Uh, This has taken a massive amount of journalistic uh, effort and journalistic chutzpah in order to put it into print, how American elites are getting rich helping China win. Peter, uh, back in 2013, uh, I've already alluded to this, I came out with a book called King of the Mountain, the Eternal Epic End-Time Battle. Chapter 19 is called The Dragon Versus the Eagle, obviously reference to uh, China versus America. And the subtitle of that particular chapter, China's Rising Star is Sinister, Strategic, and has surreal implications in the mounting battle for king of the mountain, in other words, rulership of the world. Uh, Indeed, uh, this has been going on for some period of time. Now, here, nine years later, you have translated that into uh, showing the trajectory of the the sellout of uh, our national interests, even of our sovereignty, for a dollar bill and for power. Power, perks, and position. That seems to be what's on the table, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. It is. And unfortunately, I mean, there are people in Washington and on Wall Street and Silicon Valley who are resisting this. But frankly, they're outnumbered. Um, this is a, a very widespread problem. It affects both political parties. It is a fundamental problem of the human condition. And mm-hmm. I would call the sinful, the sinful nature of uh, man if you are unmoored um, from the principles uh, which should guide you. And right. uh, that's what we have in a lot of these instances. Exactly. So, uh, these, these are individuals, they're not, they would not come out and say, I've sold out to China. They will give you a rationale. They will give you an explanation, but it's really just an explanation trying to justify right. uh, this terrible, corrupt behavior. You have a fascinating chapter called The Bush and Trudeau Dynasties. And certainly this brings us right up front row center to what's happening in uh, uh, in Canada with Justin yeah. Trudeau, uh, who has gloriously embraced the vision of China for Canada. And now we're seeing it played out in the streets as freedom is trampled in the streets of Canada. Uh, what we're seeing is the spirit of China invading the entire world. Well, as I point out in the book, the Trudeau family uh, became wealthy because of its relationships with the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, Pierre Trudeau, who's Justin Trudeau's father, uh, was Prime Minister of Canada. He opened up dip- diplomatic relations to China. He was very pro Mao Zedong. Um, he praised the young pioneers. He wrote this ridiculous book um, talking about the brave new world that was coming as a result of communist China. When he left the prime ministership, uh, he made a ton of money representing Canadian businesses who wanted to do business in China. He could get them deals. Why? Because he was considered an ally and friend by Beijing. Mm -hmm. So you flash forward and look at Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau benefited from that financially. He's published books in China uh, for which uh, people didn't actually know he had deals. He hid it from them. Uh, And in 2012, I recount this in the book, he was actually asked, he was a member of parliament, he was asked, what foreign government system do you have admiration for? Other than Canada's, which system do you like? He didn't mention the United States. He didn't mention the UK or Japan. He mentioned China. He said, I have an admiration for the basic dictatorship, his words, of China because they can just get things done efficiently. And, of course, dictatorships can do that because they don't have to worry about civil rights or property rights or anything else. Or the will of the people. Exactly. That is a mindset uh, that Justin Trudeau has. And we're seeing it played out in the streets of Canada this very week. Yeah, I mean, there are remarkable similarities in the mindset of Justin Trudeau on this issue and others as it pertains to the way the Chinese leadership sees things as well. It's really quite astonishing. Okay, so you actually trace the inter-involvement of two political families, the Trudeau family in China, in uh, Canada, and the Bush family in uh, America. Uh, we have long known that, George, that the Bush family was heavy into uh, petroleum, heavy into energy, also were consummate globalists, all of them. And this is the reason why uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, the 41st president of the United States, voted for Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump, because she was a globalist. 
And he and Bill Clinton were friends as globalists, even though one was a Republican and one was a Democrat. So you have this spirit of globalism that in, that uh, the Trudeau family in Canada and the Bush family going all the way back uh, have embraced. This has opened the door for them to embrace China, hasn't it? Yes. I mean, the Bush family and the Trudeau family have multi-generational relationships with China. So George H.W. Bush, of course, was one of our ambassadors or our re- representative to China early on in the 70s. And when then he became, became the C- head of the CIA. Yes, he was head How of the cozy. CIA. Yes, and then vice president and then president of the United States. During all of that, his brother Prescott Bush started getting sweetheart deals from Beijing, uh, very lucrative deals that added to the family's wealth. When George W. Bush became president, the son... Prescott Bush continued to get those deals, but now did it, now a new generation did, namely Neil Bush, his brother. Neil Bush was put on the board of a Chinese computer company that was run by the son of the premier of China. He made a million dollars a year, even though he had no background in computers. And today, what is Neil Bush doing? Neil Bush has set up the Bush Center for U.S.-China Relations. It's funded in part by a Chinese United Front Organization, which is linked to the government, and he goes on Chinese state television making excuses for human rights abuses and the aggressive uh, you know, behavior of Beijing. And that's what that cultivating those kinds of relationships ultimately gets you. This is uh, incredible. How in the world, Peter? I've written 10 books, and I have people marvel at the uh, hundreds of citations that I have uh, to support what is stated in these books. But my goodness, uh, you have done a yeoman's job. How in the world were you able to secure all of this information? Well, it's a great question. I've got a research team. I've actually got 13 researchers that work with me. And And I've got to do it all myself. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're making making me feel lazy, Chuck. But but we've got uh, 13 researchers. We collect corporate records from China, uh, financial records from Hong Kong. Everything that I say in the book is sourced. There's no anonymous sources. Right. You can literally go to one of the footnotes. There's more than a thousand of them in the book, and see where I got the information. And it's about follow the money. That's the yep. kind of research exactly. we do with the government accountability. Follow the money. What an incredible. And you know, it's not just doing the research. It's weaving it together. Yes. It's weaving it together. Yes. It's making sense of it and distilling it in a way that fits what the facts tell you and making it accessible for people to understand. And that's what we try to do. In 1993, after President Bush left office, Prescott Bush helped start the U.S.-China Chamber of Commerce to serve as a lobby for deeper commercial ties. He said, my brother George has been instrumental in the development of U.S. and China relations since 1974. That's what he wrote in a pitch letter to the Chinese. So, when George W. Bush was elected president in 2000, more commercial opportunities arose. This is the trail of the dollar, isn't it? It is. It's the trail of the dollar. And the way that a lot of dynastic families work, you know, if Prescott Bush is making money, 
that money flows to the benefit of other family members. It may be that he invests in one of their businesses or makes something else happen. And that's the way you have to understand it. These things are not happening in isolation. Prescott Bush got those deals. He was basically an insurance businessman. He got those deals because his brother was president. And then later his, uh, uh, you know, the George W. Bush became president. And his nephew became president. And China recognized early on, you're going to get favorable treatment and benefit if you try to buy off members of these powerful political families. And it's been a very successful strategy for them. This is almost sickening when you realize that those that you trusted have betrayed that trust over and over again for increasing personal power, perks, and position, even to the point of selling out the best interests of their own country, even when they were president of the United States. It is just, it's breathtaking. It is. It's breathtaking. It's infuriating. But the one reaction I don't want people to have is to throw their arms up and say it's a lost cause. It's not a lost cause. We can expose this and we can make a difference and change things. All right. How can we do that? Well, a couple of things. Uh, First of all, we need to be willing to call out people that are engaging in this behavior. Second of all, Look at the products you're buying. If you're buying Chinese products, chances are that is going back to a Chinese military-linked company. You're making them stronger. So look at what you're buying and stop buying those products. Third thing I would say is look at your investment portfolio. You may say, I would never invest in a Chinese military-linked company. But lots of mutual funds, developing uh, world funds, invest in China. So look at the investment decisions that are being made by your mutual funds. Make sure you're not aiding and abetting China. And then finally, work to elect people that are prepared to stand tall and challenge Beijing for what they're doing. It seems, uh, Peter, that this, this problem is so vast and so deep that one right after the other, politicians and business people Uh, have succumbed to the lure of power, perks, and position through China, and therefore they're not even willing to hold others accountable under law because everybody's doing it, so to speak. Yes, a lot of people are doing it, um, and that's the key. We have to change the culture. Here's the thing that I will tell you, Chuck, that that absolutely goes on in every one of these cases. All right, tell me about it right after this break. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. 
God loves all the little children, all the children of the world, red or yellow, black or white. They are precious in his sight. We're not talking about people here in general, friends. We're not talking about Chinese people. We're talking about a system that is intent on ruling the world in an anti-God fashion. That's what we're talking about here. And America's elite willing to sell out our own country for money, for power, perks, and position, even though they know they're selling it to a nation, to a people who intentionally are setting out to destroy the very foundations of the greatest and freest nation on earth. That's where we are. Uh, Peter, I had to cut you short there before the break. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, the bottom line is we can win. And in every case that somebody has been exposed, uh, they try to evade, they try to hide it. These are not things that they will publicly be proud of. So that indicates, you know, that that the debate is shifting this country in in a very positive way. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and to highlight this. So thank you so much for having me on the air. Well, thank you, Peter. I know that uh, you have to go now, but uh, we'll continue to pick up on this theme even in the final segment of the program. So, uh, Peter, I feel like we've made a new friend here of this broadcast, this ministry. Thank you so much for your labors. Absolutely. Thanks, Chuck, for having me, and God bless. All right. Bye-bye. All right, friends, the book Red-Handed. Red-Handed, How American Elites Got Rich, Helping China win. I tell you, it's it, it's going to uh, <laughs> it's going to stress your credibility factor with regard to those that you trust. But friends, we got to do it. We have to be honest. We have to bring these things into the light, to the sunshine, so that uh, hopefully. Uh, some kind of purification can take place even in our own system of government. It's a $30 hardbound book, yours for $20, on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now... We're going to uh, take this in a slightly different direction, still talking about China. I'm going back to my book, King of the Mountain, the chapter called The Dragon Versus the Eagle. The Dragon Versus the Eagle. It's not just America. It's not just the Bush family. It's not just the uh, Trudeaus. It's not just the uh, American entrepreneurs and tech uh, giants that are involved in this. This is a much, much bigger picture. China is and will be a game changer in the Middle East and beyond. It would behoove the prognosticators, presidents, and prime ministers of our world, I write, to pay particular attention to the dragon as it grows ever more powerful economically and militarily. Ah, Make no mistake, explosive times loom just ahead, as foretold by the ancient prophets and apostles of Yeshua the Messiah. As it is written, men will cry peace, peace, yet there will be no peace. Even the purported so-called prophets are caught up in the euphoria of so-called peace. 
peace in our time. Yet China presses on determined to rule by a simulated Sino-defined peace as the world surrenders progressively to the dragon's will. Preferably for now, that surrender gains traction through economic engines and exploitation, but raw power is soon going to replace the more passive economic interchange with the intimidation of marching men. The intimidation of marching men. That's where things are heading, friends, and China has to get the power through economics and technology in order to be prepared to do what the book of Revelation tells us is going to happen. So there are seemingly contrary forces, even now that are setting the stage for the world's greatest confrontation. We talked about that as we opened the program here today, and we're going to uh, finish up looking at uh, where this is heading. The first part of it seems peaceful and highly desirable, but the second promises activation of the world's greatest army to claim the ultimate prize. The dragon, China, must dispense with the eagle, America, while exploiting the bear, that is Russia, so as to overwhelm the woman riding the beast, that is the New World Order, the Western New World Order, confederating with the current guardians of Middle East oil and gas to grasp for Earth's greatest spoil to be found among the land that is brought back from the sword, that's Israel, and is gathered out of many people. Look for it in Ezekiel 38, verse 8. So then we we return now to the land that's brought back from the sword. What land is that? Israel. The remnant of Jews gathered out of many people by Aliyah to go up over two generations last past to the burgeoning nation of Israel today. Guess what? China is there. It's amazing. The dragon is determined to secure its global destiny, even if it has to humble itself to a startup nation leading Israel to a false faith in the dragon's purportedly desirable intention. Joseph Puder gave us insight in his article posted on September 5th, 2012 in Daily Mailer front page. Here's what he said. When the Chinese communist regime announced its latent five-year plan in 2011, it proclaimed to the world that China is no longer satisfied with being the world's factory, that it seeks to become one of the world's innovators. To do that, China's leaders realized that they must turn to the startup nation that is the Jewish state of Israel. The Chinese are fully cognizant of the fact that neither the Arabs nor Iran can provide them with innovative technology. So, putting it succinctly, the dragon will play peaceful until it permanently secures Middle East, that is, Arab and Iranian energy and Israeli technology deemed necessary to secure its destiny for global dominion. The stakes could not be higher, nor the pathway more disingenuously deceptive. Signposts should arise in the capital of the world, danger ahead. Danger ahead. So what's Israel's response to the dragon's seduction? Israel's been seduced into a place of political fornication, 
that's producing a bastard son dedicated both to her destruction and to the destruction of the eagle that is America, and heretofore has start has guarded the startup nation with its global wings. So the stage is set. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that China, to, shall we say, uh, distill this into a small little capsule, China has gone to, to Israel and played nice in order to secure Israel's technology. So the premier of Israel made nice with China's Xi Jinping and said, we're both ancient nations. Now we can work together. Okay? Really? Israel can get their industry into China, sell their products and their technology? Yes, but what is China going to do with it? And how might this connect with Revelation's infamous prophecy of Armageddon? Does it matter? Should it matter to Israel? Indeed it should. So if we went to Israel, excuse me, the book of Revelation, chapter 9, Verses 13 to 16. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed to slay the third part of men, and the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. That's 200 million, my friends. Out of the mouths, out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. And by these three, the fire, the smoke, and brimstone was the third part of humankind killed. Hmm. Doesn't sound like peace, does it? So here's a, a picture of the level of carnage unprecedented in the animals of human warfare. Does China make, uh, does China, uh, get concerned out about? No. China's not concerned about that because they have 1.3 billion people. And the Bible talks about this 200 million man army, a combined fighting force of the kings of the East, a force so overwhelming to contemplate that some believe the description even is just symbolic. I don't believe it's symbolic, particularly when Mayo previously announced that uh, China could field an army of 200 million people. So, if you want to find out when that was stated, go to Time Magazine, May 21st, 1965. China doesn't care. Humankind means nothing to China. It's all about global power, the rulership of the world. That's where we're headed. So the message of Megiddo, Armageddon, it's coming. This is not a game, friends. This is the real deal. 
There's another evil empire, China, attracting attention, wrote Marvin Alasky in World Magazine two decades ago. Man without God is a beast, and never more beastly than when he is most intelligent about his beastliness. As China breaks out of poverty, it becomes more of a threat to its neighbors, not less. So here we are. We see how, as Peter Schweitzer showed us in the first two-thirds of this broadcast today, he showed us how the free world and our leaders, the American and Canadian elites, have helped China get rich and have enriched themselves personally, being willing to sell out the interests of our country as a nation under God to an avowed godless nation that has declared its intent to rule the world and whose premier, President Xi Jinping, has been granted, shall we say, eternal power by communist China. He no longer has to worry about elections. He is seen as their great deliverer, their savior, the Chinese Messiah. That's where things really are. Israel has been seduced. America's been seduced. China's been seduced. And you and I need to understand the trajectory of history. It's time to prepare the way of the Lord in your heart and in mine. You see, this is not just information. It's information that should lead to transformation, a recognition that the coming of the Lord is right around the corner. I hope you're getting ready. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be coming home, if you're ready. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Get a copy of my book, King of the Mountain. Uh, it's an, a $20 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. King of the Mountain, the Eternal Epic End Time Battle. And Peter's book, Red-Handed. God bless. Be a blessing. Let's pray for the Chinese people. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.